Mm-hmm. I would say Jack Johnson is like your bone shaker of music. Jack Johnson is my bone shaker of music, and that sounds really dirty. So <laughs> you always have to go there, don't you? Yep. Yep. Pretty much do. Pretty much do. Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, and my still a little bit sick, but otherwise wonderful co-host, Mandy Murphy. How you doing, Mandy? Hey, Chris. I'm not so bad. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I was saying before we started rolling, I'm cold. It is a cold, blustery, damp day in Toronto, but uh, otherwise pretty good. Kind of bummed out about the whole David Bowie thing, but yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's a little a little bit of a downer of a day, um, but you should be fortunate on the cold side that you have power because I know a lot of East York is out tonight. Oh, really? That's interesting. My buddy uh, up in Uxbridge was without power uh, last night and uh, had to had to run out and use the battery in his car to charge his phone a little bit so he could send some texts. Yeah, that's uh, it's a fairly big outage. My sister-in-law and her family uh, have no power and they said it's starting to get cold. So at some point they may show up this evening. I know you said sister-in-law and that's not who I'm thinking of. But you've got some news. I do, yeah. Um, my sister had a baby on January 4th. Uh, a little baby boy named Zachary. Uh, just shy of eight pounds. And mommy and baby are doing well. And for my parents, it's their first grandchild. So we're all we're all pretty excited about it. I've been uh, spending a lot of time up there and trying to see him as often as possible. But he's just a doll. Uh, for my part, no real news. And they say <laughs> no news is good news. How was your holiday, so, Chris? It was fantastic. Uh, quiet Christmas, bit of a bigger do on Boxing Day, and then uh, five days in the not-so-wintry wonderland of Havelock, Ontario, uh, just east of Peterborough, at the cottage for New Year's, as is the tradition. And uh, the only uh, tradition that we weren't able to participate in, which has now birthed a new tradition, is uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin and Shannon are Erica's cousins, uh, and they own the cottage with Shannon's parents. Uh, Kevin has built a very, very beautiful sound. I've probably talked about it before on the, on the show. And our tradition would be that we spend the actual kind of countdown period at midnight on New Year's Eve, once the kids are all in bed, uh, in the sauna. <laughs> and roughly around midnight, we would go out and roll in the snow. But that would have been more like rolling in the dirt because there really wasn't any snow. So we decided that instead we would have a little dip in the uh, the little bay that their cottage is on. And uh, we actually did have to break through some ice to do it. Uh, but we enjoyed it so much. Ten minutes later, we went back down to the lake and had a second dip. It was that good. It was uh, water, uh, balmy water temperature of about two degrees Celsius. Are you after- nuts? Why would you do that more than once? It was fantastic. It was really coming out of the sauna that was clocking at like, I think we were pushing about 92 two degrees celsius in there uh which is hot like that's cooking temperatures um we uh we we could easily easily jump into two degree water it was shocking but yeah it was a ton of fun and uh and we're gonna do that every year now even if we have to get an auger or an axe and hack like a foot and a half thick piece of ice out because that was just it was fantastic I i would recommend that to anybody yeah that sounds like fun well, maybe not the elderly or the infirmer children, but anybody else you want to come and hop in the lake. You know, it's funny, though, actually that day, Ben had heard me talking about how I was bringing up a bathing suit uh, because Kevin and I were going to go in the lake. And Ben was like, can I go in the lake? And I was like, oh, buddy, we're going in the lake at like midnight. You're going to be asleep. And he was like, well, could I go in in the day? <laughs> I was like, yep. So Ben brought up his bathing suit. And so when we were breaking the hole in the ice, me and Ben went and put on our boardies and some rash guards because I wanted to keep warm. And... Uh, Ben actually went in up to about his belly. And uh, so, yeah, something. How did he Eric handle was, it? Well, he was really cold, but he <laughs> had a fun time. He, I don't think, was actually going to do it. But then his cousin Max came around to, in like a full snowsuit and was like, what are you guys doing? And Ben was like, oh, I'm just about to go in the lake. And so he just topped right in a uh, little peer pressure. You know? He's a champ. He is. He rocked that. I was pretty proud of him. And yeah, Erica was just like, oh, yeah, father of the year right there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get back on to beer-related stuff. I'm about to pour a beer. I don't know if you're having a beer, but uh, 
I'm pouring a beer, but it's a special one. Special? What is it? It's not going to sound special right off the get-go. You're just going to say, big deal, good beer, whatever. It's a Great Lakes winter ale. Strong beer brewed with orange peel and spices. Big deal, whatever. Big deal, whatever. It's two years old. I've had it in my fridge for two years. Ah. And I meant to drink it at Christmas, but I forgot to. So I'm drinking it now. Fancy pants. <laughs> Gonna see how that turned out. This might get edited out of the podcast, and I might <laughs> be drinking a bone shaker. No, it smells good. And the taste? We all wait with anticipation. Hmm. Interesting. It's uh, spicy. And almost like a, a cocoa kind of dryness. Are you very familiar? Are you very familiar with that beer and how it would have tasted, like originally? Mm-hmm. Not super familiar, um, <laughs> but I would say familiar enough. It it it's dried out quite a bit. Would be my my synopsis. Yeah, it's, it is. It it's almost. It is. It's almost chocolatey. It's cool. I like it. No Good noticeable off flavors. Nope. Nice work. A little oxidized, but other than that, and I mean, just a little bit of like kind of sherry on the back of my palate. So pretty, pretty good. Uh, you drinking anything? I am. I'm, I'm drinking a bricks and mortar coffee porter. I actually had a very special beer set aside for tonight's podcast, and I forgot to grab it out of the fridge at the brewery on my way home. So it's sitting there and maybe I'll drink it on our next our next show. But I received a, a great birthday beer that I can't wait to crack. OK, bricks and mortar coffee porter. Delicious. Yeah, what, varietal of, what varietal of coffee is it made with this time? It's made with a Guatemala Gesha bean. So it's a, another single origin from Pilot Coffee. Mm, cool. It, it's nice. It, the way it differs from the last one we did, which was a Kenya Key. Um, that one was a lot more fruity and juicy. I got a lot of like lime and um, honeydew melon and berry notes on it uh, off of that coffee. This one I get a lot more like vanilla and jasmine and... It's also very bright and acidic, like the the Kenya Key, but uh, a lot more vanilla and jasmine than the other. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's different. We we're really really happy with this brew, and this happens to be my very last bottle of it. We don't have another single bottle in the brewery that's really up for grabs, aside from the like the aging stuff that we do on taste panel. But otherwise, the beer is gone now officially for me. Huh? When Mandy can't get it, it is gone. And that's a fact. I have a few cases in the fridge at the brewery that just say DNFT, Mandy's beer. Um, do not, do not fucking touch. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Uh, Mandy's beer, and I have all kinds of special treats in there. But that's where, like, that's where beer sort of—I don't want to say go to die—but that's where the very like last of the last beers are are available. Sometimes they're for LCBO samples, but more often than not, they're just for my own personal consumption. Nice. Um. Yeah, and that's where like sort of some of our oldest stuff is sitting, and this there's not another coffee porter there, so this is it for me. I'm enjoying the last of it tonight. Mm. Uh, anything coming down the pipe that you can tell us about? Um, or out of the tank, if you prefer. Yeah, we brewed a, a cool collaboration beer with uh, one of our licensee accounts, which is La Cardita. They also happen to be involved with the Sweet Jesus brand. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah. So with the the Sweet Jesus guys, they do. Uh, they do ice cream and coffee. Those are sort of their two their two main things that they do. And so we brewed a, a collaboration beer with them. It's going to be a mocha marshmallow stout, and it launches at the end of the month. We are very excited about it. Mmm, I like marshmallows. I yeah, like it, marshmallows. it should it should be tasty. We uh we had to find a way to sort of replicate marshmallow flavor, and we don't like to we don't use artificial flavorings or any artificial ingredients of any kind in the beer. So we threw some marshmallows in just for fun, but. Uh, we had to find other ways to replicate the marshmallow flavor that I can maybe share with you closer to the beer's launch date on a, a later show. That would be cool. Yeah. The only thing that pops to mind is that a lot of marshmallows are made with corn syrup. That's right. So, yeah. We did not uh, use corn syrup. So I say, not necessarily a taste you want to replicate in a beer. No, it was a it was an interesting process. So we're the beers so far. It's coming along great. We're we're excited to to launch it and to, to get it out there. And then we have a couple new brews that we'll be bringing out in February and March as well, like brand new things we've never done before. Mm, cool. Yeah. Okay. We were going to do this podcast uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and it was going to be the year-end wrap-up clip show extravaganza. We were going to wear glittery suits. Mandy was going to do a tap dance. I was going to sing a Johnny Cash song. It was going to be great. But 
I don't even actually remember why that didn't happen. You got sick. I think it was just that, right? You were feeling pretty off, and so we decided to, to can it. So now it is January the 11th. Yes, as mentioned, the day the world learned we lost David Bowie. And we are recording. We are actually going to do a little bit clip show looking back and a little bit looking forward. There's been some interesting speculation about 2016, and uh, we're going to add our voices to the chorus. But first, 2015 was a great year for beer. Wasn't it a great year for beer, Mandy? It was for you guys. It was a fantastic year for beer. And for us as a brewery, it was, it was just a wild ride. 2015, most surprising, and you can interpret that word however you want, most surprising beer you had in 2015, if you would be so kind. I realize I'm throwing this at you yeah, I'm going to no need some time on these. I have no prep whatsoever, and I suck at answering on the spot. Well, Most I don't have any prep lists beer. either, but I can I can do this one at least, and uh, and then we can yeah, go, go from there. Okay. My most surprising beer, and I hesitate to admit to this, uh, because it was something that's been around for a while, but was the first time I had Nickel Brooks Uber Berliner Weiss, and funny enough, had it when we put it on tap at Castro's. Um, I might have had it at a festival or something, but I had no recollection of it particularly. But Anthony asked if we could get a regularly available sour beer in Ontario, and I went, <laughs> that's funny. But then remembered, wait a minute, I think Nickel Brooks doing a Berliner, and so rang up our contact and sure enough yep they have it it's available in draft so we started putting it on and i could drink that beer all night it is it's a sour beer to be sure but my golly it is it is got some complexity to it there's an interesting malt characteristic from the wheat and stuff and it is just fantastic effervescent bright refreshing not overly like painfully sour just spot on i would say for real, is that a regularly available sour, or at the time it just happened to be sort of in regular availability? Mm, we're still getting it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty exciting, that. Oh. Okay, your turn. Most, ex no, surprising, not exciting, surprising beer of I'm going to let you down here, Chris. I don't know. You know I didn't get a huge chance to get out there and taste a lot of what was out in the world. Uh, I drank a mm -hmm. lot of our own beer. I did a lot of taste panel. I feel like we were doing taste panel every day, but it's really just once a week. <laughs> if, if you got yeah, to take I'm a gonna, pass, I'm gonna, gonna take pass. A pass. Maybe I can but... come back to it as we as we think on it a little longer. Okay, let's do a low hanging fruit. So the 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 framework, okay, is like best festival memory. It was going to be like, like the, the, the not the best festival. Cause that's a, that's a tough one, but like your top festival experience uh, from, from 2015. And so like, it isn't good enough to say roundhouse craft beer festival. You have to say the guy who came up to the booth and said this and did that. And we did that. And this happened kind of, kind of, festival experience ha that's funny you know as you were mentioning people coming up to our booth my i had two in my mind of my best festival memories and both of them happened to be me not working at a festival surprise surprise so two instances in which i actually got to go to the festival and enjoy it and this year it was unlike other years where the past couple of years we've just been always behind the booth working nonstop. Uh, and this year we, we had a team of people that we worked with. And so we'd be there for setup and we'd work some hours at the, at the booth, but it wasn't just Mark and I working the booth the entire time. So I have a lot of great festival memories this summer where we actually got to go out and explore and have some fun. Um, I'm going to give you two because I don't like sticking to your rules. Yep. So one was at the Roundhouse Craft Beer Fest where it was actually the final day of the festival and Wrigley was just a teeny tiny puppy. And we brought him into the park on the festival grounds and uh, Mark and I grabbed a beer. It was our anniversary, actually, as well, Mark and I. And we grabbed a beer, and we went and put a blanket down under a tree. We had Wrigley with us, and we enjoyed a beer, and we laid down, and we had a little nap. 
<laughs> it was beautiful. Who naps in the middle of a beer festival? I don't know, but it was so nice. Uh, and the other one was when we brought our entire team to Bo's Oktoberfest. Um, so I want to say the Your festival team in general. And but one, I... one hangers on. <laughs> and some hangers on. Yep, not yep. just one. There's always a few. That's true. Uh, yeah. Um, so with that one, I'm going to say it was probably watching... Uh, watching some bands over at like the, the smaller stage with our, our entire team. Do you know the band, the Flatliners? I do. Yeah. So probably when we were watching the Flatliners and there's a connection to the Flatliners through one of our teammates at the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually met at a Flatliner show and one of them toured with the Flatliners. One of a person on our team, her husband toured with the Flatliners. Uh, so I, I wasn't even re- really familiar with them as a band. I just heard of them. So that was my first time seeing them live. And, uh, loved them they were awesome and the coolest thing was our entire brewery team save a couple people who weren't able to travel with us um was there enjoying the show um drinking great beer and just watching a great show and being all together it was a lot of fun amazing yeah what about Uh, yours i mean probably my favorite festival was uh bo's oktoberfest and as as was yours and it's funny because you mentioned uh, not having who, who has a nap at uh, at a beer festival and uh, now two years in a row at Bose Oktoberfest midday I've nipped off uh, to my car and had like a 45 minute nap and just it's lovely it's the it's the nicest thing in the world you drink for a while you have right? a bit of food go off to the car have a little snooze or in your case under the tree at uh at Bo's, uh, Bridgehead Coffee's there. So then wake up, get a Bridgehead of some Americano or whatever. You know, you're you're invigorated. You're, you know, live to fight another day. It's fantastic. I would recommend to anyone where it's socially acceptable and not dangerous to your health. If you can have a nap at a beer fest, you go for it. You go for that. So I concur. I, uh, it was great. Yeah, I that wouldn't necessarily be, though, now that I've kind of gone off on that tangent, my uh, my highlight of the, the festival, highlight of the festival this year. Um, actually, you know what? This is going to sound really, really corny, but uh, like in years like last year when we went, we had a neat little little tent, you know, encampment uh, with the van and my car and a couple of tents around the left field uh, uh, product placement tent um, but this year it was it was much bigger like you say you brought many people and it was it was a right little village and uh, we had quite the little party going uh, after the the festival proper uh, shut down and uh, Tej had some great music pumping and we were we had great food and it was just a really it was really cool I, I to move from uh, you know having a blast at the actual festival proper to kind of hanging out with admittedly a lot of people who i'm not necessarily that familiar with and uh just really yeah kicking it and having a really fun it felt very um like camp not campfire necessarily but like that kind of a feel it was great i had such a good time yeah me so, too i'm glad, I'm so glad it. to be hangers on <laughs> yeah we have a bu- we have a bunch it's like the same crew that comes back every year so now we have to we have to stick with it yep I, uh, my only downside to the festival this year was that they'd separated out the tents from where cars were, mm-hmm. which was probably safe. Um, but because I didn't feel like setting up a tent and uh, am quite comfortable in my car, it meant I did have to make a five minute walk back to the car to crash out uh, after the little shindig we threw. But uh, it was worth it because that, let me tell you, man, sleeping in the trunk of a Volkswagen Jetta when you're only five, 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 six, whatever I am. Very comfortable. Highly recommend it to anyone. That's the way to do it. I think it's better than that bus to Ottawa. I don't know. I've never done the other, but I think uh, I think just crashing in your car is the way to do it. Yeah. Or, I mean, a tent's fine, too. It's just, yeah, yeah, I'm a single and I don't need to set up a tent. I got to go. Okay. uh, La, 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 la. This is me thinking because I don't actually have notes. Something else about 2015. How about this one? And and here you go. This is your lob. Are you ready? Uh Oh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready. Go for it. What was your proudest beer-related moment this year? And I, I, I think anyone can assume it's going to be related to opening the brewery. But like, get get uh, detailed. I like minutiae. Like, what what was it? What was that moment? The proud moment. Oh gosh, I don't know, Chris. That's tough. It was a, it was a year of firsts for us, right? So, a, there were a lot of moments where we're like, man, we did that. Uh, 
wasn't ever sure we were going to get there, but here we are. Uh, so I would say there were a whole bunch of them. I don't know. For me, my year sort of circles around our team. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds corny, but it's the it's the it's the truth. Like there couldn't be truer words spoken. It's it's about our team and the people we work with every day. Uh, and we just actually had our holiday party last week, and the, this is sort of like the the sentiment that I shared with the team at the party <clears throat> when we did a little toast. Is that when we saw ourselves opening a brewery, we constantly thought about the beer we would make and the brands and the space and sort of what our life would look like running a brewery. But we we could have never really imagined the team and the people themselves. You, you don't you don't know them until you come into contact with them and you work with them every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the piece that's like just really surpassed our expectations in any possible way. So I don't know. I think it's got to be the team that we we've built and the people we get to work with every day. It's like it's becoming more and more apparent. One of the real benefits of working for yourself is you get to pick and choose the people that you see and spend so much time with every single day and that you could sort of make and create new things with. And uh, I don't know. I think we're really fortunate. That's awesome. Yeah. For me, um, yeah, again, listeners of the show, you'll be familiar with some of what's been going on in, in my life and being in Scarborough and then moving back to the beach and just feeling really kind of upheaved in what's been going on in terms of sort of my blog situation. Um, and being aware, I think that, uh, my blog's not going anywhere and I'm going to continue to write uh, for it and still just love writing anything really. Um, but, uh, kind of realizing that it wasn't going to be enough to just kind of pick back up and start doing more reviews and start posting more news and stuff that, uh, if, if I was going to keep on kind of kicking at this, that, uh, I needed to explore some other ways. And I think part of it actually was that it's funny, like doing this podcast, uh, just really gave me a sense like, wow, like there's other stuff that I can do and other stuff that I get to, um, apply kind of different skill sets to. So, um, I spent most of my teenage years behind the, the mixing desk, uh, at, at live stuff, uh, musical performances. And so obviously this is a bit different, but mixing down a, a podcast, um, you know, uses a lot of those old skills that I haven't, you know, dusted off in 15 years or so. And, uh, and then, yeah, obviously the, uh, uh, the psych class videos I've been doing, seeing people starting to respond to those and, and to the point where people started asking about like ones coming up and, and having people in the brewing scene contact me and say, Oh yeah, we'll do one. Um, is that's huge. And I feel just stoked about what's coming up that. And I got a really wicked camera for Christmas. (laughs) It was, I'm not used to getting elaborate gifts, but uh, my mom went out of her way this year and set me up. So I've got a really, really beautiful rig now. And, uh, that just makes me so excited. It's like, I don't know, as a kid, when you got like a, a toboggan, like a GT snow racer, and you just couldn't wait to go out and rip around on it. And, you know, he's, there wasn't snow. And so you're just waiting for the snow. I'm just waiting for the next interview, which incidentally is going to be this Thursday, driving down to Buffalo to pick some stuff up. And I'm going to interview Rudy, the brewmaster at Community Beer Works. You ever heard of Community Beer Works? Oh, so cool. I totally have. Yeah, that's great. Have you visited, uh, sorry to go off on a tangent, but have you visited Resurgence? No. Oh, you got to get there. You got to go there. Dave Collins, uh, he was in the Niagara College program in the same graduating year as uh, Mark and Austin and many others uh, in that first class through. So he uh, he's a brewer there at, at Resurgence and they I've not, I've not been there myself. I've been dying to get down, but I hear nothing but the best about it, hmm. um, about the beer, or the space or just the variety that they have. And it's sort of a really unique setup that they have down there. So, yeah, if you're going to be in Buffalo, make time, go see it. Hmm. We will have to check it out. I'll have to see if there's going to be time to record or if we'll just go in for a quick visit. Yeah, you got to check it out. I'm taking my one of my best buddies who's uh, becoming quite the beer fan, my buddy Josh. We're going to go down and I don't know. Man, Christmas really cleaned me out. I'm pretty broke right now. I don't know if I'm actually going to buy any beer, but certainly we'll have some at Community Beer Works and uh, 
do some stuff like that. So have a little beer adventure, mini beer adventure for half the day in Buffalo. It'll be fun. That sounds like fun. That's a great answer. You have to, uh, it, the timing of your gift is, is perfect. Uh, yeah, it meant I've gone from filming shaky hands on an iPhone five, maybe S I think just a five, uh, to admittedly a very, uh, low end on the spectrum Canon, uh, DSLR, but it's got the same sensor and processor as every other DSLR right up to the kind of top tier, which have better stuff and a beautiful mount. So I'm not like floating my hands out in front of me and a nice microphone and an led light. It's just, I look very professional. I look way more professional than I am. So I'm very excited about it. And, uh, the quality is going to be notably improved. So I'm very, 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 very excited. So, you know what? Let's call that. That's 2015. Anything else from 2015 you want to mention? You just did a few things. Owned a brewery, got a dog, uh, hired, a, 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 what, 12 people, 14 people, got a staff. So Yeah, there are 12 of us. It, no, those are the, the major highlights. I could I could talk for hours about the, the rest of the year because it was a pretty monumental year for us. But I think that captures it nicely. Uh, 2016. Here's the thing about 2016. <clears throat> People like to predict stuff uh, in general and also and because of that, I think we'll say uh, the craft beer industry is not immune. So we have an article here in Fortune, fortune Fortune.com, craft beer trends to look out for in 2016. We also have a 2016 prediction post by our friend and yours, Ben Johnson, the writer, not the runner. Right or not runner, let's call it that. Have you read one or both of these? Yeah, I've read both of them, and I'd like to add to the list. There's another one. I don't think I, I've sent you the link, but you may have read it. It's uh, an article by Sarah Parniak in Now about uh, food and drink trend. Sorry, in this case, it's just uh, drink trends we'd like to nurture or kill in 2016. I saw that. I didn't read it. So hang on a sec. I'm just going to. Just gonna pull that on up and see. It goes if I can. beyond. Uh, it goes beyond beer, but there there are some beer mentions there too. Oh, of course. Oh, of boy, course. You beautiful. Oh, thanks for the link. Sweet action. Uh, of course, when you open up now, there's there's David Bowie. Uh, okay, here we go. <coughs> okay, so now I have them all open. And so let's. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm gonna do this. Well, why don't we just talk about our uh, our predictions, or we we could take the nurture or kill approach if you like. Is this? Did you share this article? Because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the tenth and eleventh words in the article are left field. <laughs> no, it's the only reason I know about it because I get a Google alert when it gets posted. Right. But our name is like used anywhere, so that's why I know that the article exists. But. No, no. It's not even a really relevant reference for left field. I'm just hassling it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Chris Schreier, yeah. you should give me the your take on 2016 and what it holds for beer in Ontario. Oh, I don't know if Chris Schreier knows what 2016 holds in beer for Ontario. Did I say that right? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think you do, but we, we're looking for predictions. We're making our yeah. best, guess, best guesses. Okay, okay. Um, well... I'm going to, okay, <laughs> you're saying like, uh, what, was, how, what were the words you used? Kill and something? Yeah, trends, it? or we could take that approach. Trends we would like to nurture and trends we would like to kill, inspired the, by Sarah Parniak. Um, God bless you, Sarah For 2016. Parniak. This is actually not what you were thinking, but a trend I would like to see killed is prediction posts predicting brewery closings this year because i think we've been predicting brewery closings in ontario for about five years now there there haven't been closings and you know what without pointing any fingers because when you point fingers someone's going to get poked without pointing any fingers ontario might be able to lose a couple of breweries occasionally well, that's what I'm... i was just about to say and but in a nice way uh... <laughs> Wait, I that think, wasn't nice? I didn't point any fingers. Well, I, I wasn't going to say we could afford to lose some breweries, but I think given that we haven't really seen any closings and that the pace of new openings or even breweries and planning has accelerated at such a rapid pace, when when will that happen? If not 2016, like when? I, 
I really do think it'll be this year. I do. Okay. We're going to make a, maybe not a bet, but it's basically a bet. Uh, but here's why I don't think that. Um, the people who talk about brewery closings generally talk about it in the sense of um, kind of cutting dead wood, if you will. So Brewery X, known predominantly for, uh, you know, golden ale, lager, Kolsch, whatever style beer, will, will close because they make old-fashioned piss beer and it's not cool and it's not sexy. And I know because I'm a beer geek and beer geeks like X and this is B. So these are the companies that will close because who's going to drink their beer answer the hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people who are stopping drinking other beer and for whom these beers will act as a gateway. So when we talk about like, again, oh, so close to saying it, Brewery X, who is bringing down the beer scene because of the you know, mediocre to less than mediocre quality beers they produce. Most of the people in Ontario probably don't feel that way about that company and are probably more than happy to buy their corn syrupy lagery thing and drink it and feel quite good about themselves for drinking a locally made craft beer, just like all those hipsters drink. So no, I don't think that that would be the reason why any breweries would close reasons for closing. I would see would be, like retirement closings, which we're starting to see in the States now, which is like uh, shutter or sell out and they opt for shutter. But I don't I can't think off the top of my head of any. Well, I guess there are a couple of the breweries that are more kind of outliers physically um, outside of kind of the 416, even 905 area where the ownership might be hitting a point where they say, you know what, we've had a good run. Made some people happy. Let's call it. Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I just, I was one of the people predicting it three years ago and it still hasn't happened with, a, 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 you know, notable exception. So yeah, I, I do agree with you in one sense, Chris. And I was going to say the only closings that I can predict are contract breweries as they start to run out of capacity and their host brewery has no space for them anymore. And brewing your own beer has got to be more profitable and advantageous than brewing beer for somebody else. Uh, and I know contract brewing capacity is getting squeezed. There are a few contract only breweries like coming on the scene and yep. they may they may be able to pick up that that volume. But if the timing doesn't work, um, I don't know. I, I could see some of these contract breweries if they can't find somewhere to brew their beer, how do they how do they exist? How do they continue mm. to exist? And some of them have invested quite significantly. So we'll see We'll see what happens there. Like, how long are they going to hold out to get a return on their giant investment in their contract brewery if they have nowhere to brew the volume they need? We'll mm -hmm. see. And then, it's interesting uh, you brought it up because <laughs> I was going to ask you if you knew. I know of at least one for sure and one that I've heard murmured uh, contract-only breweries opening, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It's a, it's a different model. I haven't We haven't experienced that here yet, so we'll see. Although, largely... Like there is a brewery in the GTA that largely depends on their contract volume, but yeah, that's cool. Well, we shall see. Good. One. That's a good one. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say is the retire. No, that the wasn't good. That was fucking gold. <laughs> I thought we were trying to be more discreet. I didn't know you wanted to to dwell on it a little longer. Think, it was well, it was I'm, pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah, and I think they would. <laughs> I think they would be the first people to say it. Like, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so there's the, the contract brewery piece. And I don't know, I can't say with certainty that any of these guys are going to fold. But as capacity becomes, I don't know, in, in greater demand, is there going to be space for all of these contract brewers to make their beer? We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if this will be the year, but I think eventually that may, that may fizzle out. And then... Uh, the other one is retirement, as you said, so I don't need to I don't need to repeat what you said, but that was the other one on my list. 
Uh, what else is going to happen in 2016? Nothing is, any- is going to change provincially. I can tell you that right off the top because the liberals have a majority, so there's no election coming and they've pretty well enshrined everything they've done in a 10 year uh, deal. What we will find is that the LCBO will stop selling 12 packs because the beer store will threaten to take their ball and leave if they don't. That will be it. That will be the only provincial change, a change to a recent change. What a shame. That makes me feel so depressed when you say that, but you're absolutely right. I think you'll see the larger craft breweries that are able to capitalize on the grocery opportunity. They will experience tremendous growth because there's a huge volume opportunity there if you have the capital to supply it. Enormous, like gigantic, especially if you see the way Loblaws is treating craft beer. That's huge opportunity. So if you can invest in stainless, go for it and make a lot of money. Good for you. Yep. Uh, I'm not bitter at all. And, <laughs> and otherwise, if you're playing the small brewery game, you better be on your game because there is a lot more competition and they're coming fast and you're appealing to a very specific demographic uh, that is has a very discerning palate. And they are more and more demanding every by the day. So you, you better be good. Yep. I think we will see, especially in urban centers, and I should say nothing's changing provincially, but touching on grocery store sales. I'm willing to bet, especially with the expansion of um, shelf spacing in Loblaws, that, yeah, we're going to. I think all the naysayers, and I was sort of one, uh, will, I think we're going to end up being a little pleasantly surprised because, as you've noted, certainly the way Loblaws out of the gates treating this whole thing is uh, it's positive. It, it, uh, it makes one hopeful for what we might see. So that could be good. Here's a good one. And I think, well, it's interesting. I think we're both going to agree in principle, although the application of that agreement might vary. Uh, the obvious question, um, buyouts. Uh, we're not unaccustomed to them here in Ontario. It's not been as big a thing as in the States, but certainly just before Christmas, of course, Brickworks Brickwork Cider was purchased by, as the PR firms let, wanted us all to say, Mill Street. That's bullshit. Brickworks Cider was bought by Anheuser-Busch InBev, which owns Labatt's, which owns Inbe- er, Mill Street. So let's just be honest about that. Brickworks was bought by ABI. You know who else was bought by ABI? Let me look. I got a list here right in front of me. <coughs> Um, here's who they now own. In addition to Mill Street, Breckenridge Brewery, Goose Island Beer Company, Blue Point Beer Company, Ten Barrel Brewing, Elysian Brewing, Golden Road Brewing, Four Peaks Brewing Company, and the UK's Campton Town Brewing. <laughs> ABI, I don't think, is thinking, eh, we did pretty good in 2015. Let's just cap it here. They're They're looking for fresh blood. And as soon as the whole merger thing settles down, I'm willing to bet you'll see whatever comes out the other end of the whole ABI, SAB, Miller, whatever merger, but the Molson, Coors, whatever company that's left over is going to be making some inroads too. So I I don't think you would disagree with that. We're going to see more acquisitions. Absolutely, 100% agree. I think the question now becomes the speculation as to who might be next to go. Do you want to put this on? On the record, Mandy? I guess that's not good no, juju for you I'm as not, a brewery I, owner. I certainly don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I've thought through this. I thought through it a little bit before we, we got on the call tonight. And I'm not I'm not sure that there's a, a really solid Ontario target. I think we'll see more in Canada. And certainly more in Ontario work will come. But I don't have an Ontario brewery in mind that, that we'll see make a, a deal like that this year. I, more will come, but I don't see one this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have two different strains of thought on this. So first off, there's a lot of speculation. You'll see people will be talking uh, that Amsterdam is next to go because Mill Street's gone. And so Amsterdam's going to be the next. It's funny that people don't, I guess, I was going to say point to Steam Whistle, but Cam and Greg did that very humorous, we're not for sale bit. So one would hope that rang, rang true with people. Uh, aside from my, you know, serious beer boner for Amsterdam, um, my perception isn't that they're going to do that, but you never know. It's a pretty big brewery, a big payout. It's hard to say no to anyway. 
Here's an interesting email that, according to Gmail, just arrived in my box nine minutes ago. News release. Folly Brewing and International Women's Day. Well, already I'm interested. I'm just going to put that out there right that right now. I like women and I want to go to Folly Brewing. So, boom. Two for two. Limited release beer for charity. Brewer Christina Cody is leading a collaborative brew on Saturday, March the 5th, to coincide with International Women's Day, March the 8th. Fair enough. The beer scene is one that is known as collaborative and inclusive, a status that is unfortunately not always accurate as it could be. At Folly Brew Pub, the staff is an equal 50-50 male-female split. The pub is working to change the dialogue surrounding women and beer and launching their first all-female collaboration to help these efforts. Several organizations have already created a pathway to more open dialogue in the brewing industry, including the Pink Boots Society in the USA and the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies in Ontario. Says Cody, there are too many examples of craft beer names and labels that render women as sexualized objects rather than people who may also enjoy said beer. She believes that bringing women of all skill levels together to create a beer will help to further the discussion of female abilities, not just in consuming, but also producing beer. Uh, and then it goes on to talk a little bit about some of the public pub publicity on that and stuff and a bit about folly, obviously, because it's a press release. So first off, hey, cool folly. Uh, March, 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 March. Yeah, I'm around. Oh, that, that could be fun to go out and dig if they're making it a, an event that you can kind of swing by and be part of. Um, what do you think, Mandy? I 100% agree with... Uh... Well, I'm supportive of that, of what they're doing. That sounds amazing. It's really cool. It, they just are cool to begin with. Um, and the, the mention around all too often beer labels or names or references um, are not necessarily derogatory. Uh, no, they're objectifying. But they're objectify women. There are way too many examples of the objectification of women in beer names and label referencing today. There was one that came out by a, a brewery in the Ottawa area last week or, or earlier this week. I can't, I guess it's Monday, so it must have been last week. Uh, just so offensive. And I don't, I don't want to point fingers because as a, a wise friend once told me, someone will get poked. Uh, but there, it, it still is way too prevalent. It's happening way too often. Uh, people pass it off as just a, a silly joke and the that sort of language and objectification needs to end immediately it seems especially in our industry so dumb that we're doing this and 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 that people let it happen and it's to the point now where i have a thing where you know engaging in internet arguments with people you don't know is like <laughs> the stupidest waste of time you can do but now I'm just like, no, this isn't good enough. Like outside of beer, even people need to be called on this and they need they will constantly go to the oh, I'm just having a bit of fun. Oh, it's nothing or whatever. But more often, people need to speak up and say, no, this isn't acceptable. And that's not OK. Um, and it's annoying that we have to do it. And, and it's just frustrating. I think anything that can sort of raise the profile of women in beer and um, raise the importance of equality and acceptance of women in beer, I think is fantastic. Totally supportive. This is, this podcast has really gotten dark talking about, <laughs> talking about buyouts and talking about objectifying women. This is man. <laughs> so I think we've captured, yeah, I agree with you. I think we've captured like what we want to see die in 2016 adequately mm. yes agree yes and thank you for taking the tiller i'd really gone off the deep end there so keep going all right yeah i, th I think we've captured what what we want to see die in 2016 and so i guess what's your top hope or wish for beer in in the coming year what do, what do you want to see more of what do you love man i love i love some of the more classic styles and i love I love big hoppy beers, but I love getting a rock solid porter. And we've said this before, you know, uh, I love a good English style brown ale and we have some great ones available in the province. Um, but it would be cool to see breweries kind of, you know, putting their back into making a couple of neat old, old styles, not, you know, modern interpretations, but just like 
this is a solid beer. Let's make it. And uh, and with that, people then going, yeah, this is a solid beer. This is pretty good. I like it. And uh, kind of exploring. Ben Johnson talked about dad beers on his post. But, you know, exploring things that don't have to be like the latest, greatest, most cutting edge. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be anti progress here, but there is something to be said for a really nice mild. <laughs> That's my hope. I want simple Why beers. does everyone want the mild? Holy crap. <laughs> I can't stop hearing about this. Um, Why? Where yeah. else have you heard about this? <laughs> I don't know. I've just I feel like I've seen it or heard it. Recently, I can't recall where, but I, I've heard a couple of people recently talking about their desire to have another mile, like to have a, a great, simple mile back. I don't remember who it was. I uh, should I should point out that I'm guilty of sort of doing my own thing, which is in a lot of these what's up for the year ahead lists. People for years have said specifically mild too. Uh, Ontario needs a good mild. Well, we have a good mild. Cheshire Valley makes a great mild. Um it's called mildly amusing. It even has a clever name, but uh, and you can get rock solid old style beers in, in right in the city. You can go down to the granite and have some of the best English style beers you're going to find, you know, even in England. I was going to say outside of England, but even in England. But but yeah, I just I, I still want to drink all the Kapow IPA in the world, but I would like to temper it occasionally uh with a black oak nut brown or somebody else's nut brown that's also a solid example of the style so are you can i interpret what you're saying as a return to simplicity is that a trend that you'd like to see i guess you i guess i'd have to give that i still love big beers and i'm gonna drink uber on draft as long as we have it and like i said man kapow is something and you know, I, I want, I want, I'm excited for what you're bringing in February. I don't know if it's going to be traditional or modern and funky or what, but I do like new and exciting things. I think what it is, you know what it is? This is what it is. At a certain point, you get really tired of people. And by people, I don't mean brewers, beer drinkers, just chasing the next, the latest, the greatest What's new? What's exciting? What's cool? Oh, that beer's so, you know, last year or whatever. And it's like, you just want constancy and you want really good examples of styles. So, yeah, you know what? You're right. How many vanilla infused brown IPAs with, you know, nitro have I had? Well, none, to be honest with you. So the first one I'm going to have is going to be interesting to say the least. But if it's just not great, if it's only fine or whatever, well, I would have rather just had a really simple beer and just been done with it. It was an interesting experiment, you know, it was an exercise in creativity. But man, like people just so many geeks that I guess I spend time around just are pushing for like new, 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 new. And it's like no one gets time to like master things. I say that that's stupid. There are tons of breweries who have mastered modern styles, but like when you're following people right at kind of the leading edge, the, the people who drive that, it's almost as if they don't care about quality. All they want to do is like, you know what it is? They want to stop their passport. When I went to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, Russia, I stood with tears in my eyes about three and a half feet from the Prodigal Son by Rembrandt which is a, a painting which for artistic and spiritual and just historical reasons I have a real love for. And this was like a top 10 lifetime experience thing. And I couldn't tell you how long I stood there. Too long, <laughs> really too long. And while I stood there, and this is not a unique experience, I know art gallery goers who have this complaint constantly. I swear, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you told me it was over 200 people walked by and many of them literally had uh, like a guidebook for the, the gallery in their hands. They were looking at it. They looked up at the painting. They nodded. They looked back at the gallery book and they walked away. And I was like, you don't appreciate what you just saw. 
You just showed up, you ticked the box, and you walked away. Now, in that example, this was a once-in-a-lifetime masterpiece. But those same people could have looked at a fucking paint by numbers and had the same reaction. And sometimes I think people just get fed up because they feel like the people who are really pushing for change are those people. It could be paint by numbers and they wouldn't know. Take the beer equivalent of that. And those people, you know, they go, yep, that was amazing. Checked it in on Untapped. Done. I'm out. That is a great, that's, that's a perfect analogy, Chris. That has been our biggest surprise. You asked me for my biggest surprise beer, but this has been my biggest surprise running an actual like physical brewery this year so far is that you get pushed and pushed and pushed to do different and interesting crazy things and we try to deliver on that as best as possible without sacrificing or compromising quality but let's be honest the first time you brew something it's not going to be as great as the second time you brew it and the third time you brew it the fourth time you brew it and the 100th time you brew it it's going to be exceptional but only because you brewed it a hundred times. And so it's that desire for exceptional um, and new combined that is the most challenging demand and sort of consumer need to meet. And that's something we're striving to do every day. But variety has been one of the biggest challenges for us to provide because those mainstay just like everyday, great, great quality beers that it you sort of just want to always know that they're great and you can get your hands on. Like I would give Ephus as our example of that. We could brew Ephus into all five for betters every day, all the time, and we would just be the Ephus brewery. But let's be honest, it's no one's going to come to our shop. No one's going to come drink off of our taps if all we have is one beer. And so we're trying to balance that with having the variety available. And over the holidays was the first time we had a really, really exceptional variety in the shop. So we had seven different styles of beer in the fridge. And we had people come through the doors, stand in front of the fridge, and just look at us with, like, the stupidest looks on their faces and say, is this all you have? And we worked our asses off to get seven brands in the fridge for the holidays. Like, we've never pushed harder and, and worked more to get that beer to market and to make sure every style, even if it was the first time we had brewed something, that it was tasting really great uh, and that it was really going to impress people when they brought it home. And for them to stand in front of us and say, is that all you've got? It's like, I just wanted to smash my head off of the concrete floor. Like, yes, that's all we have. Do you know how hard it was to get that in front of you? Yeah, you point to like uh, the, what do you just, have, five tanks in the back, six tanks? Yeah, like, yeah, that, that's all we have. <laughs> There's seven beers. And there's less <laughs> tanks. Do you know what that requires? Refilling. Like, uh, so here's my thing. I can't remember if we were talking on or off record. So this may or may not be in the podcast. The part I'm referring to, this part probably will be. But we were talking about Amsterdam and the really cool things they've done with like the adventure series and their barrel aging program and their their growth and really their credibility. And they're credible and incredible, if you ask me. But that's neither here nor there. But if Amsterdam didn't make Double Tempest or Tempest, right? And if they weren't doing things like 18 Hands, they weren't doing those beers. If all they were doing was making Blonde and Brown and Big Wheel, which admittedly are not life-changing beers, but they were also making Bone Shaker and Cruiser. And you know what? Take or leave Fracture. Leave leave Fracture. Just those beers. Bone Shaker, Cruiser, and the Core 3. Beer geeks would be like, they're dead. They got nothing. Yeah, 100%. Have you drank a Cruiser or Bone Shaker? That beer is stellar. Like, Like, just off the charts, good beer. But if it's like, yeah, like you say, oh, is that all you got? If you don't have four things people haven't heard of, well, what have you been doing with your time? Well, getting really good at making beer. What have you been doing? Drinking something once and then leaving it alone? Like, it's just so infuriating. I assume people listening to this podcast are beer geeks. So I realize this might feel like a, sh- a shot right at your practices and personality. But let me challenge you, dear listener, 
if you are perpetually chasing the latest, the greatest, the newest, the sexiest, you'll never, you'll never find it. There's always going to be something else. And maybe there's a bit of thrill to that. But drinking a beer once and then putting it aside because you need to drink something else, that's really, really unfortunate. Mandy makes fun of me because of the amount of bone shaker I drank. Because I drink a lot of it. <laughs> but I drink a lot of it because it is fantastic. And I think I like it more the more I drink it. And that's enjoying something. Um, Lewis, C.S. Lewis has this thing about how to a, a reader, a book that was worth reading once is worth reading 12 times. So if you read a book and you can, and you thought, hey, that was a great book, but you can set it aside and never touch it again, it probably wasn't that great a book. And if that's the case with all the books you read, you're probably not necessarily reading that great selection of books. And I think that cross applies to beer. If you can drink a beer and think, wow, coolest, latest, greatest, and then never drink it again, maybe it wasn't that great a beer to begin with. The beers that are really great are infinitely drinkable, and they teach you to like them more as you drink them more. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. It's a great point. Um, and I would also say that something that most Ontario breweries probably struggle the most with is it's not quality, but it's consistency. Mm-hmm. And so I would challenge you to go out this week and taste a beer that you've tasted before, but you have sort of written off because you weren't blown away by it. Maybe think back a year and a half to two years. Go back, revisit that brewery, revisit that beer. I can guarantee you it's changed because if if the Ontario breweries are doing what they should be doing and I know this is something we pay very close attention to. It's constantly upping your game. And so if if every batch of that beer is not getting better and better, then that brewery is just doing something wrong. But I, I would I would caution to guess that most most batches after after batch after batch after batch from any given Ontario craft brewery that the next batch should be better than the last. And so go back to a beer you haven't you haven't tasted in 2 years. Tell me what you think. I almost guarantee that it's it's better than it was the last time you tried it. Yep. I dig it. Craft Beer Fans 2016. Don't stop drinking new things. But reacquaint yourself with some old things. Coming up. I was talking about the Burlington Beer Fest. Um, scheduling stuff's just gotten really difficult. So I'm not going to be doing a thing with them directly. But I am shortly going to be giving away some tickets to the Burlington Beer Fest on the old bloggy. So if you would like to attend the Burlington Beer Fest, and I recommend it, it's going to be a fun festival. It's it's cool going to those sort of, uh, I don't like saying smaller, because that sounds so judgmental, but you know what I mean? Like They're not as big. They're a little quieter. Get a bit more of an opportunity to taste some stuff and chat with the people at the booth. It's a little less chaotic. And, uh, and yeah, Burlington's a nice spot. So if you want to head out to that, uh, tickets will be up on the blog probably in the next week. Keep an eye out and uh, you can win a pair for free. And if you don't win them, I'd encourage you to buy them because it's good value. So that's Burlington Beer Fest. Of course, same weekend, Roundhouse Craft Beer Festival. Mandy, have you got your snowsuit looked out? Yeah, I don't have a retro onesie snow outfit, but I'm good. I'll, I'll be nice and warm and having a good time. I don't have like an 80s retro style snowsuit either. So I'm torn between just dressing wisely to keep warm or like going really old school, like maybe like a woolen sweater, like leather gloves and boots and such. But that might be too retro. I'm not sure if that's going to work. Also, uh, Only Cafe Winter Beer Festival coming up. Uh, Fabian just sent me the info. I believe we're talking February 4th and 5th, 5th and 6th, February 5th and 6th. Only Cafe Beer Fest winter a tricky one, actually. One of my favorites uh, historically, but a tricky one because if you're warm enough to be outside, you're too hot to be inside. It becomes very problematic. But uh, wear peelable layers, I think, is the uh, the solution for that one. And it'll be a good time. Are you guys going to be at that? Do you know? Uh, this is the first I've heard of it, but I'm sure we'll be there anyhow. It seems like the kind of thing you would do. Yeah, we do that. They're one of our uh, closest neighbors, so we'll be there. They are. Bless their souls. So that'll be good. 
Uh, you got anything to add to that? Those are the next big three things I can think of. No, I have a lot of events going on at the brewery, but I'll try to refrain from uh, boring you with the details. If you're into doing zany and interesting things at Left Field, just go to our events website at leftfieldbrewery.ca. Like cross-stitching? Yeah, like cross-stitching or painting or any other random events. Um, if you feel like getting crafty and drinking some beer, we got some stuff going on, so check it out. Uh, they, w- they will be fun. And if you're into that, come have a good time with us. Otherwise, we'll be at the Roundhouse, and we'll be at the Only Cafe, and that's about it for winter events for us. Mandy, have a pleasant evening. We'll talk to you soon. Good night, Chris. And uh, Toronto, thanks for listening.